you would, take out the Word of God and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We continue our study through our essentials here at Ashland, what it means to be a healthy disciple, the context of a local church. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. If your children are involved in kids' being dismissed at this time, and they are in the back, we have leaders waiting for them. And I do have a quick announcement, and this does not cut into sermon time. Uh, I know I get accused of preaching long when My sermons are never over 45 minutes. Um, and so this does not count as sermon time. doesn't cut into it. Others have done that for me um, already. Uh, at our congregational meeting, we made the announcement that we would be, uh, this year, hiring more staff in light of the budget that we proposed. Uh, and uh, I do want to let you know that Eric Turner and Samantha Turner, uh, that they are, Eric is the staff person that we're looking to uh, bring on board over the next few weeks. Uh, Eric was a member of Ashland Avenue for eight years. He uh, spent two years in Cordova, Peru as a missionary for us. He's a former Ashland intern has a seminary degree, two years on the field with the International Mission Board. Uh, and our goal is to bring him on as this year as a pastoral assistant, and then in 2021 make him our mission pastor. And so uh, next week, February the 9th, Eric and Samantha will be here, so you'll get to meet them. We're going to use our access time as a Q&A time. Uh, and so if there are questions you have for Eric, you want to ask him, uh, you feel free to do that during our access time. And then on February the 16th, Eric will actually preach here in our service. Uh, and then after that, we'll seek congregational affirmation. I do want to be clear, according to our bylaws, the, in light of the budget, the personnel team uh, and pastors can make these hires in, in, within the budget, these assistant hires. Uh, but because we want a long-term commitment from Eric, uh, I feel it's only right that we as a congregation affirm him in that way. And so that's what we'll do after the service. Uh, I can't tell you how excited I am. We talk a lot about being sent, planting churches, and now it's time to, uh, to get to work doing it. And uh, we've already been doing it, but sort of full steam ahead. And so excited about this announcement. Uh, and so you'll get to meet them next week. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 11. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm just going to read verse 11. If you would stand in reverence to the reading of God's perfect word. And I'll remind you where we've been in this sermon series. Essentials, what it means to be a healthy disciple in the context of a local church. We first of all ask the question, am I following Jesus? If we are following Jesus, we will love the church and we will commit to the church and we will pursue membership in the context of the church. And if we're a part of the church, we will gather with the church for worship. Worship is the witness. Corporate worship is the witness of the church. And if we're a part of the church, we will be a part of that witness. And then from worship, last week we talked about fellowship, being bound together. In worship is when we celebrate what we hold together in the gospel. And if we hold the gospel together in fellowship, we will serve in light of that fellowship. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Am I serving? Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. 
And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Oh God, I pray today that we would all examine our hearts. God, there are so many ways here that we are able to serve, to use our gifts, to use our skill, to use our abilities for the sake of the gospel. And everyone here today is equipped and gifted to do something. And so God, I pray today that you would use this word to make us a healthy, functioning church who is a great warrior in this city and to the ends of the earth for the sake of the gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Maybe seated. Money sacrificially given, bills paid, a building cleaned, chairs adjusted, the heat turned on, the heat turned off so we can hear, promotion on social media, family and friends invited, coffee made, cars parked. Folks greeted by Frontline. Around 100 children checked in. Over 50 adults caring for those children right now. Slides prepared. Slides on a screen. Slides scrolled through the screens. Ushers assigned. Ushers taking up an offering. The service planned. Musicians prepared. The band practiced. The sound's being adjusted even right now. All of those things to get us to this very moment as a church so that we can hear the very words of Christ through the preached word. Think about all those acts of service and that is just on the surface of what goes on here at our church. That's just what's happened for this moment. That, that's just what's happened for the preaching ministry to happen. There's so many people serving in BFG, so many people serving in so many different ways. We've even heard of that this morning through the Pregnancy Help Center. Acts of service that have sub-levels of service that multiply each ministry that require a few hundred people every week to pull off what we say is our mission in light of the Bible to witness the gospel. And look around this room. All is a sign of God's goodness. All is opportunity to flesh out supernatural gifting that the risen Christ has given us as those who say we follow him. Signs of God's goodness. And I want to ask you today, what are you doing? Where do you fit in? How, do you, how, how are you contributing to make all of this happen? There's plenty of opportunity to serve. Plenty of it around here. And when we look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11, Paul begins to tell us, that this is this cosmic act of the risen Christ to make all of this happen. The sort of mundane things we're talking about. 
The, the, the even spiritual anointed gifting that we have as Christians to, to encourage one another, to serve one another in the context of the church. Paul is describing here this as galactic warfare. He, he says, Jesus died for our sins, died on the cross. The hostility between us and God has become peace between us and God when we believe the gospel And Jesus, back from the dead, is like this victorious king, this victorious warrior. And he comes to the church, back from the dead, a former corpse, having defeated sin and death. And he begins to divide the spoils of victory with the church. And he he gives us forgiveness of sin. He gives us mercy. He gives us grace. He gives us all of these things, the power of the Spirit that seals us for eternal life. But he also gives us ability and skill to serve the church, to care for the church. That's a part of his victory. We we don't just inherit forgiveness of sin, eternal life. We as body, a part of the body of Christ are empowered now to serve the body of Christ. And in verse 11, he begins to describe how this in detail works out. Part of the gifting that that Jesus gives the church, being back from the dead, verse 11, is that he gives ministry of the word. Notice he gave apostles. The apostles are described as the foundation of the church. They are the first to deliver the gospel of the church, to teach the church how to live in light of the gospel. The prophets... In the New Testament, we have those before the Word of God is complete who stand up in the church and they authoritatively declare, this is the will of God for the church. The evangelist. Now, this is more of missionary church planter. The way we think about evangelist, tent revival, that was not an official role in the New Testament evangelist here is church planner missionary who takes the gospel in places it's never been taken. And then he says he's also given to the church shepherds and teachers. Together this is the role of pastor who lead with the word of God. But notice what the purpose is. These word gifts are given to the church. Notice verse 12 to equip, to supply for the work of ministry, for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so the ministry of the word is given by the risen Christ to these men who stand up and proclaim the word. For what reason? So that the church would be fully supplied to minister to one another. So that the church would be edified. The church would be built up as this strong, healthy body in the world. That's why we're given the word. The word of God is given to lead each and every member to serve the body to health. And so an unhealthy church would be a church that disregards the word of God. A church that doesn't respond to the word of God. One of the most unhealthy things a church can do is begin to think that only the paid professionals serve the church. Only those who get paid by the church are the ones who deserve. And actually, 
the way this is to work out is those who are assigned these leadership roles, some of them paid, some of them not, they are given the responsibility to equip members to serve. They're not to do all of the service. And what happens is churches become very unhealthy when they begin to think that it's only the professionals who do the work of ministry. And so here at Ashland, we're always going to be very volunteer-driven. We're, we're going to call you to serve for our health. And when we pay people to lead and teach the Word of God, it's for the purpose of mobilization. It, it, it's for the purpose to rally the troops with the Word of God and lead the church to serve one another, to, to, to find those gifts, to find those skills, to find those abilities. And one of the wonderful things about this church is we have so many skilled leaders there's probably 60 lay leaders here who lead significant ministry every week in the context of our church. When you think about children's ministry, you think about youth ministry, you think about college ministry, you, you think about so many things that happen in the life of this church, lay leaders are leading those things. And we want to see that continue to happen some of you think, well, I've been leading this ministry for years. When are you going to pay somebody to take my place? We ain't. We, we, we may pay somebody to help you do it better, and we need to do more of that. But we're going to be very volunteer-driven. A lot of churches become unhealthy when they begin to think just having the Word is enough. Just having a sermon every week is going to make us healthy. We're going to function properly. And you'll find a lot of churches that have great doctrine, great theology, but they are very unhealthy because they never do anything. And the members never serve. Imagine your body thinking your eyes do all the work. If I can see the task, then I've done the task. Tell your boss that tomorrow. I see and understand what you want me to do, so it must be done. It's not the way it works. The leader says, this is what we do, and then we get to work doing it. Imagine your kid saying that to you this afternoon. Yeah, I see my room's a mess, and I understand you want me to clean it up. And you, it must be done. No, you still got to clean it up. And so a church that opens up the Word of God and says, oh, I see very clearly what the will of God for us is, to preach the gospel enrichment to the ends of the earth, but then you as an individual never respond to that? We're going to be an unhealthy church if we think only hearing and talking is about what Christ wants us to be about. We will be extremely unhealthy. And so as you think, how am I serving this church? It begins by you hearing the word and being committed to do something about it. Week after week, hearing the word and thinking, how will I take this word and not just apply it to my life, but how will I take this word and apply my life to this church? As I hear the word, how does it apply to the people around me? Right now, all across this room, there are all kinds of needs in this room. All kinds of needs. By the way, there's a lot of needs in the back. We don't have enough people serving the kids. We don't. We need more of you. There's all kinds of needs here right now. And so you're hearing the word of God and you're thinking, 
how do I take my life and apply it to the needs? How do I make this church healthier? How do I love our others? How do I speak encouragement to others today? So this church would be healthy, not taking the word, hearing it, oh, I'm a smarter Christian and never doing anything. What should I do in the context of this body? And notice what happens. Notice verse 13. We serve by hearing and doing the word. And then we serve for the sake of the gospel. Notice he says, until we attain the unity of the faith. And this goes back to last week. This holding the gospel together. Fellowshipping in the gospel. Faith refers to the gospel message here. That Jesus died for our sins, that he's been raised from the dead, and he's promised us an eternal kingdom. And we all come into the church and we cling to that message. It is our only hope. And as we cling to that message, we're united. We're united around the gospel. As we cling to the gospel, we are holding to one another. And notice, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. This is the revelation that Jesus is God's son. Jesus is God's king. And Paul's point throughout the book is God's king has been raised above all other knowledge, all other religion, all other spirituality. And, and we together are coming to learn this together. And we're growing in our knowledge of this revelation. Notice, so that we would move to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, we often read this so individualistically. And we're thinking, I've got to grow as a Christian. I've got to mature as a Christian. He's talking about the church growing in unity and maturity. The church is the mature man. The, the church is the mature body functioning healthy in the context of the world. Think about this. Think about the reason he wrote the book. The gospel's going forward. Gentiles are believing the gospel. They're turning from idolatry. They're turning from worshiping these angels. They're believing in Jesus. And now all of a sudden they're showing up at worship on Sunday. And if you're a Jew, your whole life you said, Ooh, Gentiles, dogs, your, your breath smells like pork. What are you doing here? And the Gentile goes, Do I even belong? writes the book to say, oh, you certainly belong. In Jesus, you have it all. Jew and Gentile, one faith, have it all. And so what he says here is maturity in the church looks like you living in unity together as Jew and Gentile, people who absolutely hate each other, and now you're in the church together. That's what maturity looks like in the church. That you would live together in light of this message. That you would live together as one family with faith in one Jesus. Paul says this is the manifold wisdom of God in the world. And notice he says, so that we may no longer be tossed like children to and fro by the waves carried about every wind of doctrine. He says, to be a mature church, you're not swayed. By fads of doctrine. Children believe anything you tell them. And, and, and if you don't understand the gospel, if you don't understand how it works out in the context of the church, you're going to function any way you, any new fad that comes along, that's how you're going to function together in the life of the church. Church is about this, church is about that, and you're going to believe it all. 
by human cunning, by craftiness, by deceitful schemes. You see, children believe any of this. They don't understand. And he says, in the context of the church, you've got to understand God's plan to put Jew and Gentile together, folks who would normally hate one another, to put them together as a family, or you're going to fall into division. You're going to believe anything, and you're going to begin to push one another away. And so a mature Jew in the context of this church would not condemn his Gentile brother because he embraced legalism. A mature Gentile in the context of Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, would would not feel alienated by his Jewish brother. He, He would embrace the family that he has because he understands the gospel. God's plan all along is faith in Jesus. And they are united as one in Jesus. And so we see from all of this spiritual maturity that is determined by individualism in the church leads to division. We've seen this happen. When people in the church say, growing in Christ, becoming a more mature Christian, means I know more about the Bible. And that's all it means. And so they stuff themselves with biblical knowledge. Have you ever seen a very smart Christian who's an absolute jerk? It's because they don't understand the gospel. They don't understand why they have the information. It's to serve others. It's to embrace others who aren't like them in the church. Or when we say spiritual maturity is about how much I do in the church. Have you seen people who do a lot in the church and they look down their nose at others? I was here at 7.30 this morning, opening up the doors, turning the lights on, turning the heat on, turning the heat off, and then making coffee. Do you know everything I've done today? Where have you been? Oh, you roll in here at 10.15. And they're jerks. We don't have anybody like that around here. But, but in the church, you understand the gospel. And so you serve those who may not meet your expectations. But if you view maturity as it's all about you, it's all about me, I'm mature because I got my hands up singing the song. I've never even seen you mouth the word to a song. Are you even a Christian? Why? You're viewing maturity in light of yourself. I'm mature because I know all of the old school songs. Can you even be a Christian if you don't know Fanny Crosby? Only a few of you laughed. The rest of us are just immature idiots in Christ. But, but what, that's what happens when we view spirituality and maturity in light of myself. No, maturity in Christ is determined by the way you treat others. Maturity in Christ is a family that loves one another. And and it is displayed as this manifold wisdom. We will be a mature church when we embrace the fact that at our international Thanksgiving meal, we may have folks on opposite sides of the table whose grandfathers fought each other in wars in other countries and we say that's glorious that's gospel maturity one of the things about Richmond Kentucky that I'm finding out is that so many of you knew each other in high school and and you were crosstown rivals and you may show up today at a BFG sitting next to the guy 
who destroyed your team at state or at the district playoffs and then stole your girlfriend and took her to prom. Now, you laugh. Those things, that is not a specific example. But those kind of things happen in this church all the time. Oh, I remember that. I'm going to find a new BFG. But gospel maturity is we just love each other. The, the, The older folks serve the younger folks. We're not just saying to college students, would you please come to our church? We need some energy. We need some vibrancy. We, we, need, we need you to be here. No, we're not just saying, y'all, y'all come to make us look good on our brochures out in town. No, we're saying, let me clean your dorm room for you. Come on over to my house. Let me help you manage finances. And the younger folks are saying, not just serve us a free meal at Access, but can I mow your yard? Don't ask Glenn that because he's going to say no. <laughs> he knows how tall every blade of grass in his yard should be. <laughs> but go clean his garage. Help him come mop the floors every week. Move the chairs. That's what gospel maturity looks like in the context of the church. And notice he continues, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is head into Christ. Now, rather than embracing legalism, mystical worship, those things that separate us, we are to speak the truth in love, the gospel, that God loves us in Christ and we love one another. And this truth, this goes all the way back to those word gifts. That the word is being declared and preached and used in the context of the church. Notice, to grow us up in every way into him who is the head. Jesus, who is the ruler and guide and authority of the church. He has connected himself to the church. And we, through his word, that's how we grow. We know what the head wants us to do. Because we're listening to the head through the truth that is preached in love. And as we we hear it and as we respond, we begin to grow up into him. And notice the text continues, from whom the whole body is joined together. We're all connected to Jesus if we're in the church, if we believe the gospel, if if we're following Christ, we are joined and held together by every part which he has equipped. He's joined us to himself and he's equipped us all. And when we all hear the truth in love and respond and we begin to serve, we are working properly or healthily and the body, we make the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You have hands that are connected to your arms, that connected to shoulders, it's connected to a neck. Isn't there a song, school teachers? It's connected to your brain. And from your brain, there's all kinds of little nerves. I know I'm messing this anatomy lesson up, Brian. Just relax, McDowell. The nerves tell the rest of your body what to do all the time. Your brain tells your stomach that it's empty and it's time to eat. Hurry up and finish. And then your brain tells your hand because your stomach's empty to pick up the food and put it in your mouth. And those nerves tell your mouth to chew and your throat to swallow. 
And all of that happens from the head to care for the rest of the body. And that's the picture Paul is explaining here. We're all connected to Christ, who has connected us to himself so that he would care for us. How does he care for us? He tells the whole body how to care for one another. The way you're cared for is by one another. The way Jesus takes care of us is he gives us one another. The way Jesus is going to take care of others here today is you. He's going to, he's going to tell you according to his word how to love them, and then you're going to love them. That's how Jesus cares for his church. He holds us together by telling us what to do in his word. And as we respond, notice the text says, we are functioning properly and healthily. But the opposite is also true. When you don't respond to the word of God and you don't serve the body, this body is unhealthy. And to the degree that you're not serving today is the degree we are unhealthy. But we want to be healthy Imagine you're just a little nose hair in the body of Christ. You have responsibility. And it's to keep dust and allergens out of the body. And and when the nose hair refuses to serve, and there's a sinus infection, there's fever, there's chills, we don't go, oh, it's just the nose hair, no big deal. No, what happens? The whole body is hindered. The whole body stops functioning. The whole body is debilitated. And so the extent you're not doing your job, we are unhealthy. But notice in these verses where all of this service flows from. Love. Love precedes service. Love encompasses service. And then we are built up in love. Loving one another. Loving those who aren't like us. And so today when you think about how you are gifted to serve the church, when you think about your skills and abilities, your act of service here is not a platform for you. It's actually a cross. You've been given gifts. You've been given skills and abilities. And what do you do? You suffer and you sacrifice to love the body. You use those things to inconvenience yourself for others so that the body is built up in love. And that's how you love. Some of you have been given amazing gifts. Oh, I've been given the gift to lead. I've been given the gift to teach. I've been given the gift to preach. But one of the things Paul does in 1 Corinthians is he minimizes the gifts. The actual gifts you have in the church. He actually says in 1 Corinthians, that's why you're so divided. Because you're worried about what gift you have and whose is better. And he says, if you don't have love, it doesn't matter how you serve. It doesn't matter. You can have the most amazing gift. Maybe it's teaching and preaching. But if it doesn't come from love, Paul would say, you're just noise. You're just noise. And then you can have the most insignificant gift and skill and ability in the church. And if you use it out of love, it is glorious. It is amazing. Many of you work third shift. And you've been up all night. And if you can drag your body out of the car and just walk over there and hold the door open. Some of you do that. Just just work up the, 
sanity after a long night at work to say, how are you? But you're here. Why? Because you love. And you're here because you care about this body. And maybe that insignificant act seems like nothing to you. Paul says it's glorious if it's out of love. And you're doing something for this body just by being here. Paul says that, that even in this gift of love in 1 Corinthians, he, he minimizes the gifts and he maximizes love. And so you're here today and you're saying, how am I gifted? How am I going to serve this body? And we want to help you figure that out. There's some spiritual gift surveys online. Take those. We, we want to help you figure out how you're gifted. We want to figure out your desires, your gifts, your abilities. But I would say this. Just start with love. Just look around and say, how can I love? And sometimes you have to do things in the church that you're not gifted to do. Why? Because you love. Sometimes you can't always use your gift at that moment. But you still can love others. You still can serve others. And the extent that you aren't loving is the extent this church is not receiving love from Jesus, tangible love to carry out our mission. We're not functioning properly. One of the glorious things around here, and it keeps me up at night, that's why we hired Dan Robertson, is trying just to keep up with everybody. And, and all these gifts, look around this room. Everybody here has been empowered by Jesus to serve the church. Everybody. Everybody has a gift and ability. Look around this room. And, and it's so hard to keep up with. And we're doing our best. Dan is hired uh, to be our assimilation guy. He's right up here. Dressed like me today. He's right up here. And he had the flu this week. But I want him to be more tired next week. Because you are wearing him out about how you're going to serve this church. That, that, I, get plugged in. Come find this man to get plugged into the context of this church. Fill out the connect card in your seat. How do you want to serve? Maybe you don't see anything on the sheet. There's a comment section right on there. How you want to serve this body. We're not going to push any gifts away. We're not going to push any skills away. The door is wide open. So when you say, I just don't feel like I'm plugged in. I just don't know how to serve. Here's the door. It's wide open. Come tell us. And it all doesn't have to be Ashland ministry. Maybe you come to us today and there's some way that you're really passionate about helping stay-at-home single moms. And you've got this nuanced ministry that you want to be a part of, encouraging them. We don't have to start an Ashland single stay-at-home Take food over to them once a week ministry. And we're going to say, hey, do it. That's love. We don't have to coordinate that for you. But we champion you. We may help you think through how to do it efficiently. Maybe you have a Bible study, an evangelism program. Maybe there are, there, there's something you want to do to serve Christ in this city and around the world. Tell us. Let us help you through that. Making food, taking pictures, fixing computers, writing notes, making phone calls, parking cars. I don't know what it is, but let us know. That's why we painted the red square in the back. But 
to not serve is not just a choice to destroy the body. It's a choice to destroy yourself. You see, when the body doesn't eat, the stomach just says, I'm going to go AWOL. The body doesn't eat. The, 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 the hand says, I'm going to go AWOL. I'm not going to feed the body. I'm not going to serve the body, take care of the body. Well, when the body dies, the, the stomach and hand don't just part ways and live life as lone body parts in the world. No, they die with the body. The whole body dies. And so maybe today you're choosing to be AWOL. Maybe you're choosing not to serve. Let me warn you, that sort of self-centeredness is self-sabotage. It's becoming very common in my weeks to hear from churches that are closing down in our city, in our state. And they call and it's down to 15, 20 members. They're closing the door. Most of the time it's older members. And they are worried about their legacy. And and I begin to talk with them through what's going on. And they're looking for a gimmick. They're even looking for us to come help them. And I began to, to talk them through what happened. And the story's the same. At some point in the church's history, everyone settled for status quo. Everyone just started showing up. Service was not spread out in the church. Service became someone's power. Oh, the pastor will do that. Someone else will do it. We've got to reach some young folks to serve around here. And people stopped serving the church. And the church began to decay. And the church is dying. And people aren't just saying, you know, we had some members die and leave us, go to another church. They say our church is dying. We're dying. And many times we were a part of the problem. We just thought someone else would do it. That doesn't have to be the case here. Look around. Plenty of people to do plenty of things. But you got to be warned. Your decision to not plug in and not serve is not just that we're going to get sick. Those things spread like cancer and can kill the body altogether. And, And the stakes are even higher when we get to the end of the book of Ephesians. This body of Christ, this new man, in Ephesians chapter 6, is a warrior with the armor of God. We so often think about that individualistically. The church is the body in the world. This victorious warrior covered in Jesus, doing battle in the world. Fighting for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the mission in the world. And so one of the issues, if you're not serving in the context of the church... We're not just an unhealthy body, we're an unhealthy soldier. And the danger of us dying isn't just that we stop existing, it's that we would be a church that's taken out by the enemy. And we would look, serving in the context of the church is spiritual warfare. I'm not just up here today talking about Christian do-goodisms. Hey, we really want to get you plugged in. 
Hey, we really want you to serve just for no reason. No, it's spiritual warfare. And it's one that's happening in your heart right now. Right now, there's spiritual warfare taking place in your heart where you are making the decision, will I serve? Well, I go back there and there's this exhaustive sheet of ways you can serve in the church. Well, I go back there and look at it. No, I'm going to get to Cracker Barrel. No, I'm going to get to Cookout. No, no, I'm going to put that off. Well, this is a warrior that can go down in battle if its pinky toe gets shot off. And maybe you're that toe walking away, leaving, choosing not to serve in the context of the church. But today I, I pray that we would take the mentality, no soldier left behind. And there are people seated in your row today that you know aren't serving. Maybe in the response time, you just go put your arm around them. It's going to be really weird and awkward. Man, I'd love for you to be serving this church. Come help me serve college students today. Maybe there's people all around you that you know aren't serving. How will you? How will you? Serve them by helping them plug into the life of the church. No soldier left behind. Because we want to be that warrior that's charging the gates of hell in Richmond and to the ends of the earth, believing that not even hell itself or death will prevail against us. Let's pray.